Hey everyone, welcome back to the Grace Church podcast. You're joining us in the middle of our Easter series, Walking with Jesus Through the Journey He Took to the Cross in the Gospel According to Matthew. My name is Beth, I'm part of the evening meeting and I'm really excited for us to spend 10 minutes or so in the Bible together, being with Jesus, wherever you might be listening from or whatever you're doing. As for me, I tend to listen to podcasts when I'm doing the washing up. It's a bit of an afterwork ritual of coming home, popping on a podcast and starting to attack the mountain of mugs and forks that have built up. But very often I end up completely ignoring whatever's being said. And I have to rewind because my washing up sink has ended up becoming this place where finally, away from the distraction of my phone and customers at work, I actually stand still and begin to process my day. It's become this little landing space where it's just me and God and the facade of the day drops. I think I've cried over my kitchen sink more than anywhere else in my house. Um, I was telling some friends this the other day who thought it was kind of funny, but I think it actually taps into a bit of an ancient practice. The idea that we have places of sanctuary and retreat away from the chaos and into the quiet where we have space to process and be totally and utterly honest with God. And that is the place where we join Jesus on his journey today in a small, intimate olive grove where he retreats with his closest friends when he's come to the absolute end of himself It is a hard passage to read. It's full of deep sorrow and pain, but it's actually one of my favourite passages of scripture. It is so rich and unique in what it shows us about Jesus and following him. I'll read parts of it as we go. If you have time, feel free to pause and read the passage. We're in Matthew 26, 36 to 46. And for context, Jesus has just had this beautiful final meal with his best friends. He's revealed these mysteries to them of how his body is about to be broken and his blood spilled as they took the bread and the wine together. And the disciples, after they've sung a hymn together, all promise, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to deny you, Jesus, despite what he says is about to happen. And then they head to the Mount of Olives, um, this big slope of olive tree orchards just outside of the city of Jerusalem. And Gethsemane is, is one of these orchards, one of these gardens. And right off the bat, this is a super significant place for Jesus to have chosen for his retreat. It's a place of all these fulfilled prophecies from the Old Testament. So he's entered Jerusalem on the back of the donkey from here, just like the scriptures said. He's prophesied about his second coming here. And it's also a place where another king of Israel once retreated to, rejected by Jerusalem. King David withdrew to the Mount of Olives after being betrayed by his own son. And it was here that he wept over the pain and the weight of his own sin almost a thousand years before we see Jesus kneeling on this same mountain, rejected in Jerusalem, about to be betrayed by his friends, weeping not over his sinfulness, but over the crushing weight of ours. Where else would Jesus have gone? In his lowest moments, in his dark night of the soul, if you will, but to the garden called Gethsemane on this exact mountain. The word Gethsemane literally means olive press, the crushing place where olives would be crushed for others to use the oil. And in the same way, Jesus is crushed and pressed to release his oil to be poured out on the cross for the sake of the world. The true essence comes out in in the crushing place, doesn't it? This is the heart of Jesus' character and what he came for. Now, we're barely into the first verse of the passage. We've already got this rich tapestry in the backdrop of Jesus praying in Gethsemane. And we go on to read that Jesus takes only his closest friends, so Peter, James and John, further into the garden with him. And it's with this smaller group that Jesus gets to breaking point, his 
God comes down in the private. He's so vulnerable and honest that it almost feels a little bit like listening in on a conversation that I shouldn't be listening in on. He tells them what's happening on the inside. He says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. You know, in other words, guys, I I feel like I'm dying. He asks them to stay with him, to watch and pray as he goes and talks to his father. He falls on his face and says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus, in perfect communion with the father, in perfect unity with him, hides nothing from him. He's kneeling on the site of these fulfilled prophecies. He knew that going to the cross like this was the only way. But Gethsemane was not a place for hiding, but for honesty. He doesn't shrink away from what he's feeling, his desires, but he brings it to God in total raw honesty. And I'm going to level with you. I don't think this kind of honesty is something that exists in my own prayer life. How often when we're facing temptation or lust, we're coveting or we're anxious about specific things or for specific people, do we actually come to God and say, this is how I feel. This is what I want to happen. This level of Gethsemane honesty that we see Jesus articulate is a deep challenge to us and how we relate to God, isn't it? But it is beautiful and it is the gospel. Our God is one who made himself utterly vulnerable by putting on flesh and going to the cross out of his love for us. The cross of Christ swallows up our shame and wraps us in the security of his victory. There's an invitation for us here to come out of hiding and be utterly honest before God as we pray. After asking the father, you know, if it's possible, take this cup from me. The weight of what was to come, almost too much to bear. Jesus prays a prayer that has echoed throughout the church ever since. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, Jesus wasn't using this as a a line, a caveat to how he was feeling or what he was asking God. We know this line, don't we? This is Jesus's answer to the disciples request. Lord, teach us how to pray. To which Jesus responds, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know the rest. Jesus wasn't giving us rules that he himself didn't live by, but he was giving us the language of his own prayers. At Jesus's lowest moments, he prays, not my will, but your will, Father. What a gift that we get to see that in action here at Gethsemane. Jesus goes away. He finds the disciples not watching and praying, but fast asleep. And oh, it's like salt in the wound. The one thing he asked of them when he needed them most, could you not watch with me one hour? And Jesus goes back to the Father, but his prayer has shifted. Did you notice? His second prayer is different. In verse 42, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus's own posture is changed by this prayer. And I'm so glad Jesus prays it. When we were first in a garden, walking in the cool of the day with the father, humankind made the decision to say, actually, not your will, God, but mine. In that decision, we traded paradise for a desert We were brought from Eden to Gethsemane, which is um, a beautiful quote from Carson. And now the prayer, not my will, but yours, transforms the desert into the kingdom. Jesus flips the script, praying what we didn't pray, your will be done. And it has power. Jesus winning the battle of prayer on his knees in Gethsemane is what enables him to go to the cross for us. 
where we failed in Eden, where Peter fails in the garden. You know, Jesus warns him, watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. And later we see Peter do just that as he denies Jesus. Where we failed, Jesus did not fail, but he found victory at the cross by succeeding in the struggle at Gethsemane. Jesus was not a divine robot sent to earth to accomplish God's will, go through the motions effortlessly and die on the cross for us, you know, tick, salvation accomplished. It wouldn't have been sacrificial in nature if Jesus hadn't really grappled and struggled to do it. Gethsemane shows us that the cross was the most costly option and Jesus did it anyway for our sake. There was no other possible way but for Jesus to drink the cup, to to take on God's wrath on our behalf. How assured are we now that we are loved in the midst of all this pain? And just as an olive press releases the, the oil, the truest essence, Jesus shows us in Gethsemane that ours is not a God who is distant and removed from our pain and suffering. He does not slumber. He doesn't sleep as we do. He doesn't lean away from it, but feels it in all its depth. So often we feel the friction, don't we, of like joy and freedom that we find in Jesus with our lives that on this side of heaven are littered with pain and complexity, grief and sorrow. Jesus is abandoned in Gethsemane and he has to go alone. And so now I don't have to do that. He walks out the other side of the valley of darkness so that I can confidently say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is true for me now because I've seen Jesus go before me and come out the other side of that valley. And for me, Easter last year was a moment of real breakthrough after a significant season of struggle in my own life. And in God's kindness, he showed me in a fresh way that Jesus of Nazareth is not a stranger to the level of darkness and pain that I felt, but was familiar with it and bore the weight of it for me. He doesn't cast me out because of my suffering, but he draws me in. He saw me in the midst of it and took it to the cross and he sees you too. There is no greater value placed on your life than the cross. There is no sweeter affirmation than knowing you were on his mind in that place. He did it for us so that we could walk out the other side of that valley place into new life with him. If this Easter you find yourself feeling wrapped up in darkness and pain that feels almost too hard to say out loud, know that you kneel with Jesus in Gethsemane, the place of prayer and pain. There's an invitation for you to join in with his prayer in this garden, to be changed and strengthened by those words just like he was. You are with Jesus, friends. You don't have to hide naked and ashamed like in that first garden anymore. But now we're given new words to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a gift that we get to pray the same prayers as our friend Jesus, the overcomer, the son of suffering. If you haven't said that prayer yet today, why not go and say it now? And I pray that as you echo Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, you'd find fresh grace to be totally honest before God, the one who sees you in the darkest places and crossed heaven and earth to bring you out of it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow and happy Easter.